welcome to Loaf, a movie podcast. I'm your co-host, Rahul Duca. I'm Jason Mallett. And we'd like to welcome you all to Loaf, a movie podcast where we take a deep dive into a movie every episode. We're also joined by special guests who have some kind of connection or deeper relationship to a movie. Today, we're going to be talking with two of our good friends, Neha Rao. Hi there. And Pooja Panwar. Hey. And both of them are medical students at Texas A&M. They're third year students. And uh, yeah, so thank you guys for coming here today. You're welcome. This is dope. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. So this yeah. is our very first inaugural episode. We decided to do a really good movie called Annihilation, released in 2018, starring Natalie Portman. And it also stars Oscar Isaac. Uh, the movie's kind of like a sci-fi alien movie. We don't necessarily mm-hmm. have a connection to aliens but they also talk about like cancer and other sciencey things the main character is like a doctor of some sorts I think <laughs> and so that kind of ties into Neha and Pooja's expertise so we figured they'd be great guests for this is a movie that's set in current time. Natalie Portman is some kind of doctor working at Johns Hopkins. Her specialty is in some kind of molecular to cellular biology from what I could gather from the movie. Yeah, they're kind of vague with it. She's definitely a doctor, but she also was teaching a class about uh, to medical students i believe yeah yeah and so it looked very much like she was in the in the very opening uh, scenes that we see her she's talking about what i interpret as like the hela cells from henrietta Lacks. like they were what like uh cervical cervical cancer cells from a 30 year old patient and that's what she was talking about we get this whole premise of that she's a doctor of some sort and we kind of figure out that she also has some military experience and that her husband's gone mm-hmm. and she's you know doing some painting around the house uh, thinking about her husband and stuff he comes back after being uh, gone for a year and she starts talking to him and kind of being like where the hell were you and all of a sudden he says he's not feeling well he starts kind of uh, yeah, and, and like his entrance into the house is creepy from the beginning <laughs> we kind of know that he's been gone for a long period of time and then he just like comes in the home and just like stares at stuff and kind of like really quietly like walks around and just like appears and it's very eerie from the start I think mm-hmm. and so like once we see him and interact with his wife like there's something there's like a lot of tension in between them and we see kind of him starting to cough up some blood into his uh, glass of water and so they're, they're in an ambulance they're getting taken to uh, like a hospital and they're intercepted by what appears to be heavily armed military people the classic kind of... convoy of the black SUVs which you know <laughs> means business from any movie that you've seen yeah they pretty much like drug her and kidnap both of them and uh, she wakes up and I think what it's called the Southern Reach is this place where they're analyzing what they call a shimmer and the shimmer was something that happened uh, about three years before the current timeline of the movie and this asteroid uh, landed and hit this lighthouse and it started releasing what they call this area of shimmer and they've it's been slowly expanding for the past three years and they've sent team after team after team into the shimmer and no one's ever come back except for her husband Uh, played by 
Natalie Portman. Natalie right. Portman. There you go. I was yeah. blanking on her yeah. name. Uh, so Lena is like our main character, and she yeah. wakes up and she speaks with someone named Dr. Ventress. Dr. Ventress is a psychologist, and she's kind of the go-to person who's yeah. been selecting people to... Selecting the teams that'll go into the Shimmer. She's kind of an immediately intimidating, cold woman. You could tell she's, like, very intelligent. And I, I don't know. Just from the start, I got not bad vibes, but I was kind of scared of her. She's a cold lady, for sure. She kind of makes this proposal of uh, to Lena saying, hey, you can come with our team go into the shimmer during exploration you're a biologist like you have like the expertise like to be analyzing things and you'll be able to help your husband by going with us and if you can make it back you'll be able to help him and figure out what he was doing for 12 months when he was gone and so she agrees and so we meet the rest of our uh, ragtag team uh, we have Gina Rodriguez playing Anya who is a paramedic we have Tess Thompson play, uh, playing uh, Radic who is a physicist we have a shepherd, a geomorphologist, and this is a full uh, team of women. And they were chosen not because they're, they're women, but because they are scientists and not military personnel. All the other groups that have been sent before them were military. And i just like to point out that the way that the story is, is told in the movie is through a series of flashbacks as Lena is being interviewed by someone in basically a hazmat suit. And so from the, from the very get-go, we know that Lena makes it back, uh, but we don't know the fates of anyone else. And so everything that we know about the events in the Shimmer um, that they're about to like embark on is from her reporting it. Mm. And so this this group, they basically go into the Shimmer and then later they kind of just all of a sudden wake up in the sh uh, Shimmer. They don't remember anything that happened to them. They start checking their food and they find out that they've used up about three to four days of food already with uh, no, no recollection of it. They also realize that none of the signals that they have can go out of the Shimmer, but they can record things, but their compass isn't working and things like that. So immediate bad signs as soon as they <laughs> enter the shimmer, which was probably to be expected. <laughs> they make their way to this cabin in a swamp area. And they start noticing these flowers. They, they, they think they're strange because all these flowers look very different, but they're coming from the same like growth branch structure. And they immediately call it a pathology, saying it's a constant mutation that's being uh, happening. And then all of a sudden, Rady gets attacked by this kind of mutated alligator and they're able to kill it. And they realize that it has concentric teeth like a shark. As they're embarking on their journey, Lena starts beginning to have pain in her arm, which she attributes to um, the scuffle with the alligator, even though she never was physically attacked by it. They go to the old Southern Reach headquarters, and they see more mutations uh, around the area. And they also see some equipment, some weapons, and evidence of the last group there, such as like names written on walls with rotations and timings of those rotations. Well, importantly, one of the names written on the wall is her husband's name. So she's kind of immediately like thrown into an emotional like shock. But she hasn't told the people on her crew other than Dr. Ventress that her husband was in the uh, Shimmer before. So she kind of keeps it as a secret, which later on maybe turns out wasn't such a great move. But mm -hmm. we'll see. 
see. And so they find a memory card that contains uh, videos of the previous soldiers. And one of the videos is also her husband, Kane. He's cutting open the stomach of another soldier. And when they cut, a, cut his stomach open, you can actually see his intestines moving in a snake-like mm-hmm. manner. And the soldier's alive and like willingly undergoing this. So it's kind of an intense, bizarre scene. It's like one of the first ones like that to happen in the movie. And then right after that, Anya, the paramedic, she starts getting very irate about the videos, calling it a trick of the light, saying that those people went psychotic, they ended up killing that guy. And then they eventually find in that base the the area that they had actually cut open that uh, that soldier, and they see that his body has mutated into uh, like a plant-like growth onto the wall itself. that night Lena is looking at her at some of the cells under a microscope they're kind of like dividing abnormally and then she takes a little break and goes and checks on Ventress who's on guard duty they hear some kind of like rustling in the area and then they hear a growling sound in the perimeter Shepard she gets um, she goes to check with them and then she gets just straight up just mauled by this bear creature Mm -hmm. and gets kind of um, taken into the woods and the next morning the group they kind of arguing do they go to the lighthouse or do they say fuck it and they go back home um Ventress is like fuck you guys I'm gonna go no matter what and Lena she convinces the other group the rest of the members that they have to go to the lighthouse and make it all the way there that's probably the best way to get through by going through the ocean and so Anya's still pissed about that but they keep going and it's slowly revealed that Ventress has cancer and so this is like her last like hurrah like her last effort to like go and figure out what what the hell's going on so they, they're going and they find like, what was it, like Shepard's shoe or something? They find her shoe, which probably has a foot in it, just detached from the body. And they're like, oh, well, she's probably around here. Let's confirm that she's dead. And at that point, uh, Lena goes on her own, even though Anya offers to go with her. Um, but she denies that she'll go on her own. Anya gives her a look of suspicion. She goes and she finds Shepard's body and Shepard's clearly very dead at this point yeah like she's been mauled her throat's been ripped out when lena comes back and tells them anya's become even more irritable and angry and you can see kind of tensions are rising Mm -hmm. in that group uh they come upon another house and set up a base for the night and they see like what basically looks like if people had been replaced by trees they look like human tree shrubbery. I, I don't know really a good way to describe it. They Radiate kind of like comes upon this conclusion that the shimmer is a prism and it's refracting everything, including DNA. And that's why like all the soldiers, everything was mutating. And so they kind of realized that they're all their own DNA is mutating. So they go into the house and you kind of notice that, or at least from my perspective, it looked very similar to Lena's, but that's a point of contention. (laughs) I didn't notice it, but also didn't pay attention to what Lena's house looked like. So I can't say either way. Yeah. Yeah. And right around this point, Anya's getting a little bit more creepy. Uh, And then Lena analyzes blood from the bruise that she had gotten earlier. And uh, it appears mutated. It looks very abnormal. And what's interesting is that 
Would you guys say that there's actually like cells and cells with DNA and things like that in blood? So red blood cells have already ejected all of their DNA upon maturity. So that was something I noticed. How can it mutate if there are no, but if we, there's no DNA in red blood cells? Exactly. And Neha, Neha called that out as soon as she saw it. But I mean, she took a prick of her blood, which has other cells in it that do have nuclei. So, I mean, maybe it's one mm, of that. A plus for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so later that night, like while everyone's sleeping, Anya basically goes psychotic and she cold clocks everyone with her rifle, knocks them out, and then ties them up and gags them uh, in these chairs. And she kind of has her like psychotic episode. I don't know how else to describe I w- it. I wouldn't say it was psychotic because it was logical. It was just very paranoid and distrusting of people, and you could kind of see it building up from the start. Like she was fr- initially the most friendly person. She went up to Lena, and made friends, like invite her to the group but then as things went on and on she started to be very like distraught with all the crazy things that were happening in the shimmer which who wouldn't be and she just didn't trust people and it kind of all built up to this and she becomes very paranoid and uh well you can tell him what kind of stuff she was saying so she was talking about how she she's like worried that she when she looks at her fingers like she can see her fingerprints moving she's worried that her intestines are moving and then also one thing that kicked off all this mistrust was that she found lena's necklace which had a picture of kane her husband in it and Kane they had seen in the video so she's kind of putting two and two together and realizing that Lena hasn't been fully truthful to the whole team yeah she's also worried that since she's the first one to visibly or like she feels that she's the first one to experience the symptoms of like being having her DNA mm-hmm. refracted that the the group is going to cut her open to see if her intestines are moving yeah. and so before they can do that she's going to try and cut their stomachs open <laughs> and so as she's going to that you hear Shepard's voice screaming out help me help me she thinks that since only Lena saw you know Shepard's dead body that Lena was lying and so mm-hmm. she goes to you know help her friend basically and then out of nowhere we just hear this like growling sound we see bear like basically like emerge into the house and he's slowly circling upon the the entire team he just takes this giant massive bite in reddick and she kind of has to just sit there quietly because if she's worried that if she makes any noise or anything like that like the bear might mm-hmm. like maul her to death uh, luckily for them anya is able to come even though she's injured she's able to make her way back and starts shooting the bear unfortunately she gets mauled to death but within that self- say unfortunately i was fine for her to die. I was like, all right, you've caused a lot of trouble. You tied these people up. Your I mean, time is up. I mean, I, I could like relate to like the emotions that she was going yeah, through. Yeah, she had gone through a lot. Like, it's a very stressful situation. You have, I mean, imagine if this was us, right? Like, you saw that like someone who was in the video cutting open another person who had yeah, gone to the shimmer. Multiple reasons what? for mistrust, for sure. Yeah, so I mean, it, and then you're basing it yeah. off of like... It's a morally complex situation. Yeah. I agree. Plus your conception of what's going on is also like getting distorted your brain might be altered because of the refraction of the shimmer luckily reddick is able to break free during that scuffle and as the bear's about to attack lena she's uh she shoots and kills the bear the bear somehow like absorbed the consciousness of the people that it kills and because uh shepherd was screaming help me help me in pain and agony that's why the bear's voice uh, when it like mm-hmm. uh, screamed or growled was shepherd's voice yelling out for help
Ventress is like, all right, my body's mutating. There's mutant ghost bears that speak English. I've had enough. I'm dying of cancer. I'm going. I'm going to find out what the heck is going on. So she's just kind of leaves everybody and says she's going to go straight to the lighthouse because she doesn't want to get there too late and by that time her mind's already fried and mutated so she goes on and then lena and um what's the other girl's name riddick yeah, yeah. They, they stay the night and then in the next morning they wake up uh lena's gonna go into the lighthouse but riddick decides she, as she's kind of mutating into like a plant it seems she she mm-hmm. states that she doesn't really want to know what's in the lighthouse or she doesn't want to fight what's in the lighthouse and she kind of just has kind of a peaceful ending honestly and decides to kind of just be absorbed by the world it seems like and turn into one of the plants people yeah she definitely like gives in to the shimmer and then we see lena she she makes her way to the lighthouse and when she gets inside she sees basically the the remains of what looks like a burnt body against the one of the walls of the lighthouse and she turns around and she sees a video camera and uh, you want to tell them what she found on the video camera? <laughs> yeah, that was a, probably the coolest scene to me, I think, one of them. So she watches the video camera, and there's like a few like kind of cut flashy scenes. Immediately she sees Kane's face, and then it cuts to this like, I don't have to describe it, this like orb that's like, I, I can't describe it, it's some big orb, and then it shows like this alien figure, and then it cuts back to Kane again, and he walks in front of the camera very calmly, sits down and kind of delivers this monologue saying that he doesn't know who he is anymore. And he pulls out a grenade. And before he launches the, uh, you know, sets off the grenade, he asks another person in the room to make sure that after this is all said and done, they go and visit Lena. And the person who you can't see behind the camera says that they will. And then he pulls a grenade, kills himself, burns his body on the wall. And you can see that the body that we see when she enters the lighthouse is Kane. And then... The person behind the camera steps in front of the camera, and it's also Kane. And that's a pretty crazy moment in the movie. I didn't see that coming. It definitely caught me off guard. Freaked out, Lena, she kind of like closes the camera. And for some reason, she decides to go near the, the hole where the meteorite had crashed through. And she starts hearing Ventress's voice. So obviously, what everyone does for some reason is go deeper into the dark hole. <laughs> and she she finds Ventress talking to herself. You see her and Ventress, her eyes are kind of like fused or like laid over with skin that's like kind of fused mm-hmm. to itself and uh, she's kind of not making really sense but she says like whatever was in the lighthouse is now inside of her. Asbestos I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, she doesn't know what it wants or if it wants anything at all, but knows that it'll keep growing and growing until it covers everything. It'll fragment people's minds until there's sm- until the smallest component until there's nothing but annihilation. After that, light begins to erupt from Ventress's body, and she starts to disintegrate, revealing the source of the shimmer. The only way that I could like adequately describe it is if you took one of those old Windows like XP like wallpapers or you know screensavers, and you kind of fuse it into like an amorphous blob. Uh, that's continuously mm. moving. Yeah, this is the same orb that I was talking about that we saw a glimpse of earlier in the camera. <laughs> So, yeah, it's hard to describe. You'd have to watch the movie to see it. Yeah, and so um, somehow a drop of blood from Lena makes its way into the orb, and you start to see this humanoid, or the cells in the blood start to, like, multiply, and uh, out comes this humanoid-looking monster thing.
she's obviously scared, so she runs out of well, the First, hole. she tries to shoot it, and the monster, like, doesn't even flinch. I'd say monster, whatever it is, doesn't even flinch. And so she ditches her gun wisely at that point. <laughs> uh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so she tries to run, um, run from the monster, run up the hole. But when she gets up to the lighthouse, the monster's already there to meet her. And it's co- it starts copying her movements. She tries to make a run for the door, but it basically kind of grabs hold of her. And so she has to fake fall or faint. And uh, the monster starts copying her movements. And so she realizes what she has to do is she takes another one of the phosphorus grenades that were there and hands it to the monster and unclips it. And as she's like touching hands with the monster, the monster starts changing to look like her. Mm -hmm. And she runs and Lena that we see like runs out the door and the phosphorus grenade goes off. The monster's on fire but very much still intact and it starts like touching things and it makes its way into the, the hole where the shimmer was setting off this kind of chain reaction of igniting everything in the shimmer. And then we're, we next see Lena basically waking up back at the Southern Reach. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of in present day. Yeah, and so we see her and she's being kind of questioned. And when she's questioned, she's in this isolated room, questioned by two people in a hazmat suit. And then outside that room, there's like 30 people in hazmat suits. And it seems you get the impression that they don't really initially necessarily trust her. They're kind of wary because... She went into this scenario. She's the only one that emerged, and she can't really give a lot of details. Um, but they don't really know what to do with her, it seems like. Yeah, and so after her story, they say that the shimmer's dissipated, and they're saying that also Kane is, has slowly gotten better, and he's now back to normal. And so she she goes to meet him. She basically asks Kane, like, are you Kane? And he says, I don't think so. And then he asks her if she's Lena, and she doesn't really say anything. She just kind of gasps. And then they embrace. And then we see her eyes change color. And then they- and his eyes change color. And so that's how the movie pretty much ended. I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me think it was it was very interesting. It was like just visually very stunning. So what did you guys... So here's my thing with this. Everybody has their own perspective on the point of one of these like sci-fi, hard to reach, very difficult to describe type movies. And the entire time, the entire time that I was watching this movie... The concept seemed very annihilation of human existence with respect to nature. And then this concept of Phoenix as in like, you destroy everything and out comes rebirth. Like the creatures that come out of that ash-like hole, if you think about it, that weird orbit thing that you can't really explain until you see Mm -hmm. it, it looked like billowing clouds of ashes that kept circling and circling within. within, Yeah. And so this entire time I was thinking that looks like fire and then out comes redness, right? So like... In the center of that vortex of ash is this red flame thing, and one element of blood, one element of current life, creates a new, almost innocent-like creature, right? And out comes this steel thing that you see is just mirroring its ancient version, right? The older version, the current version. And it's mirroring it, trying to learn like a baby would. You see, you look at your surroundings, and you learn. And... It's a destruction, I guess, of what's currently happening so that this new form can come up in my... I was seeing some I was seeing some weird things here. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, no, I, I think one... First of all, I think this movie, kind of like you said, it doesn't really define itself very clearly like some movies does. I think almost everything about it is pretty much up to interpretation. 
So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting that you said I didn't get the rebirth thing, but I kind of see it because when that uh, alien monster, whatever you want to yeah. call it, comes out, at first you're like, holy shit, this mm-hmm. is terrifying. And mm-hmm. it is a scary scene for sure. But once you see what happens, and I've seen the movie twice now, the alien, like you said, is basically innocent. innocent. It's not, it's yeah. just trying to like learn and just like filling out its surroundings. It doesn't yeah. ever do anything bad. It's so clearly strong and like powerful. It like teleports at some point. It could. Mm-hmm hurt her but it's just like learning about its surroundings so Mm -hmm. i thought that was interesting too because it's for such a scary scene it doesn't necessarily have any bad intentions you can tell it doesn't seem to want anything it's just like new and like learning yeah i feel i feel like there's like a motif about cancer like that's the that's the whole thing that was like every time i was like watching Mm -hmm. that movie i've watched it twice and just kind of watching it it's been this Cancer reference, cancer reference, yeah, cancer reference. They do reference. hit that a few different times. Yeah, the, the first cells that they talk about are cancer cells. You know, she's. we see a scene of her just reading about Henrietta Lacks in a book. Ventress has cancer. Shepard's daughter died of leukemia. And during this entire process, like, as they're going through the shimmer, the way I'm interpreting it was that cancer cells have, like, this, this programming, but they, they do more. You know, they're they're basically like uncontrolled, they keep mutating. And they've even mentioned that like where they see these mutations in the floor and everything, they they say like these constant mutations, they keep changing, keep developing. And so there was the biz- that was the big thing that I got out of it was it's it's talking about cancer and metastasis. Like the creature at the very end, you can say like it has this already preconceived programming when it metastasizes into another area. It's like learning to do something else and it's doing something else in a different area. Mm. And so it becomes this like battle. What is to say like that's not yourself, but it's like a different version of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Mine's going to be, God, my opinion is going to be such a hippie opinion, but go for it. I okay. What again, what I saw, I saw this cancer motif. Sure. I mean, they were being really blatant about it. There were literally cells that were mutating and splitting underneath yeah. the microscope. No, that, it's the one thing they were blatant about in this movie is like, there's cancer. something cancer-y going <laughs> no, on No, but here. my entire view by the end of this was that they're saying that we're the fucking cancers. We, oh. on our current... Think about it. That once you pass the shimmer, it's a beautiful, surreal world. It was, they even it say that green. it was beautiful yes, at times. it's green. Mm-hmm. It's nature. It's, there's endless amount of flowers and animals that are existing, you know? So... Our side, what we're doing, I saw it as they were making some type of analogy. And I mean, think about the, I guess, milieu of our time right now with all this climate change debate. We're the cancers. We're causing destruction. And this new concept is something trying to annihilate the cancer and create a new and start with what's beautiful beyond the shimmer. Dude, that could be completely wrong, but my I'm stuck with this weird climate change perspective going on. So that's what I saw this entire movie. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's really, this, this entire time I was yeah. like, man, I like we your suck. hippie view. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really, really like the symbolism and the very deep themes we're talking about. I don't know if it, I don't know what, for me, I was really fixated at the end on trying to figure out if it was the real Lena and yeah. the real Kane. I have no idea. And about so, Lena. I, I mean, I'm really, really glad that we're talking about the deeper things. <laughs> I, I, I'm still to this minute and second focused on like, were they the same? Were they different? But yeah. now that we're talking about these motifs, it's almost making me think more of like a 
I don't know if xenophobic is the right word, but like with alien species Mm. and with tumors, right? Like tumors often disguise themselves as, you know, bodily tissues. Like they can be still well differentiated. Oh my. So your body doesn't attack them at first. And so I was wondering, like, yes, it's very beautiful talking about rebirth, but what if Lena and Kane, they're at the same time the same but also different but not so different that their world recognizes them as the aliens yeah. wow nice and now my mind is just like i'm still fixated i don't know like i yeah. i all my heart wanted them to be the same people so they could be together yeah. even though she cheated but <laughs> yeah which is a whole other thing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we didn't mention that i mean the whole cheating thing i think also plays into the whole ending part right because i was wondering what the point of that was the way i interpreted it is like the entire story that we're being told of this movie is from lena's perspective from entering the shimmer until she leaves is all being told by lena at the end when she's being interrogated you know Mm -hmm. so we've kind of established that lena's she lies like she has no problem with it and she kind of has this like sketchy like history of herself and so if the the creature is like able to take on the personalities you know the thought everything like that then who's to say that the creature is at the end and it's basically um lying because that's what it's learned from lena and so it's giving this false narrative to get what it wants because that's what they talk about while it's being interviewed by the hazmat people yeah at the end because so one of the things that like really like i thought was cool was when you first see kane and lena talking they're sitting and he's drinking a glass of water and we see his hand is actually inverted or flipped on the other side in the glass which you wouldn't normally see and then right after that, it's when he has this episode of, like, hemorrhage and, like, coughing up blood and everything. At the end, when Lena takes a drink of water while she's being interrogated, we also see her hand mm-hmm. flip to the other side, mm-hmm. which didn't happen in the beginning when she um, we saw her hand yeah. pass a glass oh, of water. Yeah. And I didn't catch that the first time, but they definitely zoom in on that in the camera and linger. And so I think you're right. I think we were supposed to... I did not notice that. Interpret from that that she has changed in the same way that Kane did. Mm. Yeah. Also, Mm. like, what's interesting is um, I was looking at uh, slashfilms.com, and according to them, the original or one of the original copies of the script, like, was a little bit different. And at the end, after, like, they embrace or whatever, like, Kane and Lena, they kind of pans up and you see the shooting stars and the shooting stars turn out to be meteorites and one of them you see lands and cracks open on earth and reveals another shimmer in that like there's multiple shimmers going on the way like i interpreted like the big thing was like the phosphorus grenade was kind of like radiation you know like a treatment or chemotherapy and after that it's like gone but there's like remnants of the cancer still there and that's like kane and lena and then if there's more shimmers coming that could be like a metastasis so it's the inverse of what I think whereas we we are the cancers and in my mind then where these meteorites are landing and these ephemeral things are coming out of them the shimmers those guys are the antidotes those are the radiation bombs is that pessimistic? does that mean I'm a pessimist? I don't think it's pessimistic I think it's just a different take on the situation because Mm -hmm. honestly your view of us being like Cancer might be stronger, but like a clear negative influence on the environmental balance of the world is like 
it's not a hot take, you know. Yeah. It's just true, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I, th- I think it could be like the thing with movies is that you can always argue a certain point by finding yeah. certain things. Especially <laughs> yeah. with this movie, which I was one thing I thought was so fascinating about it is like I you can't say that anybody mm-hmm. here's opinion, even though they can be totally different, is like wrong or right. There's Absolutely. a lot to work with and a lot mm-hmm. to justify things either way, which is cool. Yeah, and to kind of contribute to like Pooja's pessimistic view, the music that was in. The Shimmer was actually hopeful, like, folky rock music. Did I not say that during the movie? I was like, what is this inappropriate context with the music? Beautiful, hopeful, in the Shimmer, but then depressing outside. Uh, What I thought was interesting was they've kind of played, like, the string instruments, this kind of classical instruments at the beginning, um, up until we get to the lighthouse, and then that's when they incorporate this electronic music, which was in a good, intense music that I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> the scene, that whole everything in the lighthouse to me was very intense. Even I watched this movie on Tuesday, recording this on Friday, watched it again. <laughs> so like three days had passed, and it was still very intense for me the entire time. And it's a long scene. <laughs> the music plays a big part in it. I thought it was really good. It looked like Lena didn't have a tattoo at all mm. in the beginning. But then when she's being interviewed, she has a tattoo. I didn't catch that. I, w- I wish you had mentioned in the beginning so I would look for it because yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Mm. So, like, that's one thing I noticed. And then the the tattoo was very similar to the guy who got his stomach cut open in the video. Yeah. Really? Um, the soldier, his tattoo was really? the same. When they see his like mutated body later, you can see the tattoo, which is like a snake eating itself, which is, I guess, means like self destruction or something. Which they talk about also, uh, Doctor Ventress. So Lena asks her, "Why did my husband volunteer for what is clearly a suicide mission?" And Doctor Ventress says, "Well, there's a difference between suicide and self destruction. Suicide, almost nobody does. Self destruction, we almost all do." And she kind of goes into like the psychological aspect of that, and then you see this kind of another motif that plays in throughout and then if you like i didn't see the tattoo like you said but he says like an infinity sign and a snake eating itself mm-hmm. that's another uh little hole we can dive into and try to interpret <laughs> well, i don't really so know for me as prevalent as self-destruction was uh-huh. as a theme i thought it was almost ironic because she even though she did have a history of cheating, like the impulse of self-destruction, mm-hmm. she's the only one that made it out in the end. That's Everyone true. else in the team had a reason not to go on. Yeah. But she was the only one who made it out. And so I didn't see that the tattoo was a snake eating itself. To me, it looked more like an infinity sign because she was joking in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, what if you passed the senescence stage or whatever of your cells, then she joked, I could look like this forever. I could live like this forever. Wow. I really wish I had seen this tattoo. (laughs) 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 I just never noticed. So to me, her surviving at the end was just literally dodging the entire self-destructive pattern that most people go to go through so is it like almost like kind of a self-weaning natural selection because we are the cancer i don't know because uh, then only she and kane are the only two people who the only two people out of everyone that went in there that made it out hmm. interesting i think you can find a meaning <laughs> in everything you know like if i could say that each of the the teammates that went in could symbolize like a different method of like dealing with cancer 
You have Anya, mm-hmm. who basically like rejects that oh. notion and tries nice. to fight against it. Yeah. Ventress decides that she's going to try and accomplish yeah, what she said. Kind of a noble. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I would like. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a bucket list item. And then you have uh, Tessa Thompson. Reddick. Yeah, Reddick. Yeah, mm-hmm. Reddick. She kind of just accepts her fate. Yeah. She goes into it, and then you have Lena, who doesn't really know what to do and she's just dealing with it on a case by case basis yeah yeah i think that probably was on purpose because now that you say that out loud it's very mm-hmm. clear that they all represent clear different ways that people would go about yeah. dealing with this issue yeah and then you also have um can't remember her name now the the one who got mauled by a bear shepherd shepherd yeah sorry cassie um, shepherd yeah, yeah so with shepherd kind of reflects like when people go too soon yeah. with cancer and how it happens suddenly. Uh, and then... Yeah, we all like Shepard, I think, as a character. She was nice. And I think the theme with the the bear, you could even argue that that's, that's us. Like family members, relatives, like you're trying to hold oh on to that uh, the memory of that person. And so the last thought that you have is like, you know, with Shepard, it was like the agony that she had. Mm-hmm. So that's what you carry wow. forward. Wow, yeah. Damn. Oh my gosh. I think I'm agreeing with you mostly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I agree with that too. That's Although, beautiful. you know, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but with all this talk that about cancer, all these theories we have, so this movie is like a book. Do we know anything about the author's background? Is the author... <laughs> he made Ex Machina. No, that was the director. But the movie is based off a book called Annihilation. Uh, I don't know if it's called Annihilation. I think it is because I think there's a copy of it in my house. I think one of my roommates (laughs) has it because I saw it there. And that's what gave me the idea to watch this movie initially. Uh, But I don't know if the... I'd like to know if the author has any connection in like the medical field or like a family member that died of cancer or if they... I personally hope he's a climate change advocate yeah. and he's an environmental engineer. Yeah. My theory would be more correct. Who knows? I, I would be interested to look into that just because there seems to mm-hmm. be so much connection to all these different things. I want to know maybe what mm-hmm. it actually was or if it's meant to be up to interpretation. Who mm-hmm. knows? Who knows? Honestly, Rad's, Rad's description <clears throat> sounded beautiful, but I'm back to his initial point where you really can twist this any way you yeah, see. Yeah, you can. Which so is each... the good thing about all types of great art. Is yeah. like but particularly sci-fi. Sci-fi yeah. is notoriously depressing with yeah. concepts that are just, I don't know, really abhorrent in the end. Yeah. And I can't find a way mm-hmm. that this could possibly be a positive concept. It, it didn't seem like a happy ending. No. I think when you see their eyes, they are aliens yeah. to me. Yeah. That, that's almost definitive. No, but I'm back to thinking that, all, you know what? I'm going to stick with my guns on this. Climate yeah, change. All stick the, with your guns. These guys, each one of these people, yes, they could be reactions to how you deal with um, cancer and I guess how family would respond as well. But they could also be just how lay people or how the variations of people deal with climate change in general as well. You have one person who's, I guess, more so our generation, was super active about it and mm-hmm. like really aggressive about their opinions. Other side that's super denying negligent and then some that are just like take it as it comes doesn't really matter yeah i feel like this yeah it can could, be twisted twist in it. any mode yeah. yeah anyway in the original script apparently like riddick's character after she is mauled by the bear she doesn't like just accept her fate she tells lena to inject her with morphine and and then shoot her oh. so kind mm. of like a, this idea of assisted suicide to counterpoint your point uh. <laughs> like assisted suicide with cancer mm. uh. Interesting, but again, like who you knows? Can, you yeah. can take you can take what you want yeah. from a movie like this. Right, so then, let's just go to the end. Do we all think that uh, Lena and Kane and the end are aliens? 
I think that Kane is the alien based on the video evidence. The video the evidence real, is hard to deny. Because the real Kane, like, immolates himself. Although we never know, like, we assume that the first Kane we see is Kane, but we right. don't know which one's which. And they even mm-hmm. say, like, am I you? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. we don't know who's the, who. The other thing I, I think you can also take away is that maybe they aren't the aliens, maybe they are, who knows. But the clues, the changes that the, that's happening to them are because they went into the shimmer and they're coming out with the refracted DNA. Yeah. So, like, it could be not because of their aliens, but because they, all their cells in their body have been changed. So that's why the light's reflecting, reflecting differently in the glass. That's why their eyes change color at the end. Even Ventress mentions, like, their, their mind starts to go. And once they've kind of come out, they're, like, out of the shimmer, they're able to think clearly. But after, like, having your mind kind of mess with... They, they might not know who they are. Yeah. I think that's what happened to Lena. I think she's still the original Lena, but she's changed so much because of the time she spent in there and consequently all the different changes to her genetic code. But I still think Kane is not Kane because... Mm. Like um, the psychologist said, she picked him because he had a profile for what self destruction, and then he literally self destructed. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it doesn't matter that they're both different inherently because she's changed so much that she like recognizes herself in him. Mm-hmm. So I think they're like both one in the same, pretty much at the end with all the things that have happened. Do you think they're evil, or do you think they're just confused? I mean, I, I didn't uh, know what to make of the eyes. I mean, if you're interpreting it from a cancer perspective, it's like they're not evil. They're just different. There's like an abnormality in their programming. You have like signals to stop multiplying and things like that. And those signals are gone. And so they're they're basically starting over from new. Have alien babies. <laughs> I, I thought it, I think it would be interesting if they did like some kind of story where someone who was pregnant went into the shimmer. Okay. Oh, <laughs> that'd be from like a military standpoint. You probably would want to send someone pregnant in there, but it would be interesting to see what would happen. <laughs> I would watch that movie. <laughs> I feel like that has a lot of ethical and moral implications. Yeah. Like what's going on with the, with the baby? <laughs> mm. So, what was y'all's favorite scene of the movie? Oh my. I think probably the one that evoked the most visceral response is those are those tend to be my favorite scenes. Yeah. And that was for sure when you see this creature come out of that uh, vortex amorphous blob thing. Yeah. When the creature comes out of there, the way that it looks and the way that it acts is so eerie and gives me the shivers and gave me the heebie-jeebies with how unrecognizable it was. Mm-hmm. That concept and also, the weird innocence of it at the same time. I think that evoked a strong Almost response makes it to me. creepier. Yeah. That, that, that made it so much creepier. Yeah. Kidding? And I think that was the strongest scene. Yeah. I'm that was my agree. favorite. What about you now? Um, man, I... For me, I really liked the scene where Reddick just kind of accepts her fate. And it's almost really beautiful because it's in a flower, like field of flowers mm. and trees, you know, shaped like people. And it's really calm. And I think it's the only scene in the entire movie I didn't feel on edge. <laughs> yeah. It was um, like an island of like, kind yeah, of like a happy Yeah, like emotion. just peace, yeah. you know, mm. like you can almost like feel the grass or smell the flowers like you get it you know Mm -hmm. because you know that 
that scene is going to be bookended by like just really intense stuff Mm -hmm. because now she's on her own. So Mm -hmm. I really like that one. Interesting. Did you have a particular favorite? There's a lot of moments that I liked in the in the movie. My favorite scene was when Ventress basically expels this light from her, and you kind of see the true essence of the shimmer. It felt like a like light folding in on itself. That's like how I would describe it. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a, like what it kind of reminds. It's like something that you can't like describe. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a word for that, but inexplicable, indescribable. <laughs> Indisplicable. <laughs> Ineffable. Ineffable. Okay. Is that a, is that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a able word. to be erased. Ineffable no. means you can't remove it. That means not able to explain. Yeah. Oh, crap. Well, Jason, what about you? What was I, your favorite scene? I think upon my first time watching it, I really liked the bear scene because it was scary and mm. caught me off guard. I just didn't... Like when I heard... Uh, the voice I was like, what could that possibly be? Mm-hmm. And I did not expect it to be the bear. And I still think that's a great scene, but looking back on it, having watched it a second time and discussed how creepy the innocence of the alien was, I think that's yeah. the scene that I would like, you know, think about before I go to bed. Just like, what was happening here? Like, what was this? And it seemed like a very, obviously, crucial climax moment of the mm-hmm. movie. And so I think that's probably my favorite. Nice. But there's a few good scenes. I think everyone had good good choices. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot to choose from, I thought whole alien scene it reminded me of kind of like a dance mm-hmm. that's that's the vibe that i got and it seemed to me that the more contact the the shimmer had the more it understood and that was reflected by its appearance like we see that at the first drop of blood it turns into a humanoid figure and then when lena first touches it it starts turning into her uh, it could also be this idea of that we don't understand something because we don't interact with it and the more we interact with it the more we're able to understand it and i think that might be like what we're getting at is like although it's different like on a a certain level you're also very similar Hmm. have you all heard about that thing where it's like however many years like all the cells in your body have changed or gone through or like died out and new ones have like taken their place you know every so many years you're not the person you were like seven years ago is this like the question is like you know, you repair a boat, you take out one piece of wood, replace it. Is it the same boat? And if so, how many wood pieces of wood do you have to take out until it's not the same boat? Is it like that type of concept? Because I've heard of that old riddle. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean... It, that it's... one still troubles me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's, that's the whole premise, right? It's like, at what point are we... Do we consider ourselves different than who we were before, right? Am I the person that I was like one year ago? Have the life experiences that I've gone through fundamentally changed who I am from that point in time to where I am now? Because all of us are med students. And so speaking about that, as a med student, I, I can say that like, the person I was in college or undergrad is very different than the person I am now just because of the, the extraordinary opportunity we've had to like interact with patients. We like learn so much but we also you know interact with people at their most vulnerable and i think that helps you be more empathetic and more understanding of the world around you mm-hmm. so is med school like our shimmer yeah. it changes us <laughs> so med, much is med school our cancer <laughs> i mean I, I, th- I think you could argue that like the shimmer could be any transformative experience that you undergo Shepard says, like, while she's talking to Lena, like, everyone has their own thing that they're dealing with, you know, their own transformative process. 
Anya was not drinking anymore because she was an alcoholic. Uh, Tess Thompson's character has like scars in her arms because she, you know, it was like, it was implied that she's cutting herself. Mm-hmm. Ventress has cancer and then uh, Shepard's going through a death of her daughter. And then mm-hmm. you also have um, Lena. Lena, who's, I guess, is like dealing with guilt, emotions balling up from like, you know, her having her affair and then like her husband going away and then coming back and then him being very ill so they're also like all going through a transformative experience and i guess it's like your strength as a person and how you come back at the end and shepherd literally says that with the death of her daughter it was even worse because she felt like it was the death of who she was too i remember her saying that mm-hmm. so that's so maybe the shimmer is just another word for anything that causes you to deal with life head on We've moved far from climate change. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not. I mean, cancer could be a transformative experience. I would and, imagine it is probably for yeah. most people. And I mean, like, what is the statistic? Like, roughly, like one in three people will have like some form of cancer in their lifetime. I don't know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> damn. <laughs> that means spooky, spooky. one of us. I know at least one in eight women have breast cancer. I've seen that <laughs> fact cited before, so I guess it wouldn't surprise me. I think if anyone lives long enough, they'll get cancer. But you, yeah. that's like extending I think that's life into the premise of the one out of eight in women too. You're measuring it at a point where it's like eighty-five women or eight women of eighty-five year old. Okay, yeah. all of those one in eight. Yeah, I'd rather. Well, that's a dumb thing to say. Never mind. <laughs> I think I already knew where you were going. <laughs> I don't think you do. It was weird. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows. <laughs> no, you see, I do. <laughs> what has this movie done to us? Yeah, like right now, like I'm looking at like um, the American Cancer Society, and it says roughly about like one in three for both men and women. Oh, uh, yeah. oh God. And, but the risk of dying is like one in five for men and roughly um, one in five for women. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's reassuring, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And that's the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening to our very first episode. Thank you for our first guest, Nehan Pooja. Yeah, wow. Thank you having us so much fun thanks guys all right well i hope you guys enjoyed talking about this movie hopefully you've seen it and enjoyed watching it and uh we'll be back in a couple weeks with a new episode please join us then That's a dumb thing to say.